Thank you for listening to Action in Ministry. We want to hear about your ministry or a ministry you love. Text the word ACTION to 484848 and a producer will contact you for your idea. Each morning, many St. Louisans wake up and turn on the television. Not just to see the latest breaking news and check the day's forecast, but to get a good laugh and have their day lifted before heading out the door. Behind the big personality of one of St. Louis's popular reporters and television show hosts is a man with a heart to reach his community with the gospel. That's on this Action and Ministry. Inspiring you to be the hands. Empowering you to be the feet. Strengthening you to be the heart of Christ for others. Action. 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 In ministry. Hi, I'm Rachel Legoute, and this is Action in Ministry. Timmy Zell can be seen on St. Louis's Fox 2 News in the morning each day. He's developed quite a following after being a mainstay of positivity and fun on the channel for more than a decade. But this journey has been nothing but ordinary. Not only is he continuing work as a morning reporter, he's completed his Master's of Divinity and recently created his own unique weekly television program that allows him to follow his heart for ministry as well. Tim, we're really excited to have you here with us today. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, let's start by talking about what made you choose a career in television. Wow. So uh, <laughs> I was in at LSU uh, when I went to school in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I was working as a trainer uh, for the basketball team. And I've always loved sports. Basketball was like a big, uh, big love of mine. And so I thought I'll go into sports broadcasting because I, I love to do that. Makes sense. Uh, you know, yeah, it, was, it seemed like a natural fit. I was the only trainer in broadcast journalism. All the rest were in, <laughs> like, you know, physical therapy or medical school. You know, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I, I felt like that's what I wanted to do. So I graduated college and just began working in New Orleans freelance for a TV station, just trying to get some experience in the field mm -hmm. and worked in their sports department on a high school football show and then gradually got a few more opportunities. Uh, then three and a half years later, I had enough stuff to put a tape together, started sending it out and got my first job as a weekend sports anchor in Panama City. Okay, I have a question. Sometimes things that make like no sense to kind of put together oftentimes like influence each other in ways that we couldn't see. Absolutely. So I wonder like being a trainer... Like, how did, do you think that it gave you any kind of, like, competitive edge in sports broadcasting? I'll tell you where it gave me an edge. It gave me an edge um, relationally in a lot of ways because, so my father worked as a trainer for, uh, at LSU in the mm -hmm. 50s. My uncle played quarterback at LSU. My other uncle was a trainer at LSU. For the, and then I got to work for the same man that my dad worked for and that my uncle worked for and that my other uncle was a, a player for. So that's the whole reason I got the job. I would have never gotten that job if mm -hmm. it wasn't the relational equity mm -hmm. that my father had mm -hmm. with this man. And uh, it was like having a member of the family. I'd grown up hearing the stories of Dr. Broussard, and then I got to, it, it paid for my schooling completely. Mm -hmm. I was on full scholarship for four years. I got to travel with the team. I made relationships that are, that are lasting. Uh, and, and I think... Uh, the benefit of sports is also it teaches you how to work with the team, work with other people. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was a huge benefit. So I think life-wise, it gave me a, an, a, an edge up just uh, life experiences. Okay, so you start out, you're, you put together these tapes and you start freelancing. Yeah. And then like just 
bam, you hit it big or? No, not even. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got the job in Panama City and they said, um, so do you know how to shoot? I never had shot except at school, you know, a little uh-huh. bit. I'm like, yeah, I can figure that out. <laughs> you, know, and, you know, and then they said, How hard could it be? Right, how could it be? Do you edit? Yeah, I edit. I'd never edited anything in my life. Uh, so I just kind of taught myself on the job. And I and my personality was such, I did a lot of goofy stuff on sports. Mm-hmm. I know you find that hard to believe. <laughs> but uh, after doing that for a year, the news director came to me and said, hey, would you do what you do on the morning show to try mm-hmm. to break up the news and weather? I said, yeah, I'll do it. And he said, now, we've never had this position before, so you're going to have to make it up as you go along. I'm like, even better. I can beg for forgiveness instead of asking permission. This is awesome. So uh, I really credit Larche Hardy uh, was the news director's name in Panama City. He gave me that first opportunity to really do what I do now, and I fell in love with it. I got to be the bright spot on the news, you know, bringing some levity, some fun to the morning show. And after I knew this is what I want to do, I started sending tapes to agents because I knew I wasn't going to hear about any jobs like this in yeah. Panama City, Florida. There weren't many jobs around the country for feature reporters. It just wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. And so I put that uh, tape together where I didn't put any news, weather, or sports on there. I said, I'm putting the wildest stuff I got, and I'm going to send it out, and we'll see if anybody wants to take a chance. And I had one. I, I had a stack of rejection letters, uh, you know, oh mile goodness. high, of people saying, "Nice energy, not what we do. Uh, may work somewhere, not here." Thanks, but no thanks. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then I had one agent who said, "I believe in this. I want to take a chance." So that's all I'm asking. And so she sent tapes all over, and finally got a call from St. Louis from Fox Two, and she told me, "Hey, I got a I sent a tape to Fox Two in St. Louis." I'm like, "Yeah, what'd they think?" She said, "Well, they thought it was different." And I, <laughs> like, I yeah. said, "Is that good? Is that bad?" And they said, "Well, they want to see more." So I made a tape of even more wild, the, the most outlandish things I could, and sent it. And they go, "Well, this time they showed it to the general manager." I'm like, "Well, what did he think?" Well, he thought it was different. They want to bring you in for an interview. So I go interview. Uh, my wife and I were married on June 20th of 98. We started at Fox 2 in July 20th of 98. So we started our new life together here in St. Louis. I told Kim, I said, it looks like we're moving to St. Louis. She said, that's where that arch is, right? And I'm like, yep, that's all we knew. And here we are. And we've been here, you know, going on 22 years. What kind of, I don't know, what kind of spirit, what kind of courage does it take to just kind of put yourself out there like that? You know, I mean, I, I think once you... You come to grips, it's all about coming to grips on who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're comfortable with you in your own skin, then it's, you just, you just throw it out there. That was my personality with my friends. That was my uh-huh. personality with my family. So I'm just like, let me just share it. Uh, and I had no idea how it was going to be accepted in St. Louis. Yeah. Being not from here, it could have been either rejected or accepted. And the community really opened, a, opened arms, accepted us and what I was doing on the air. And it's just been a, it's been a great home. I've, uh, I thought this was just going to be a stepping stone that I'd be here for a little while and then move on to something else. I, you know, I had an audition in New York with the Fox affiliate there, one at CNN. And I really feel like God closed those doors because there was a bigger purpose for me being here. In here. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, hearing a little bit about your character, just the things that make up you. But what about your faith? Like, how has that played a role in your life kind of in those formative years up to that point? Huge. So I grew up in a, in a family that was, uh, we were in church every Sunday. Uh, my father had been a seminary professor and a, and a counselor and uh, grew up in Fort Worth, Texas. And we, you know, our faith was present in our home. We read the Bible on a regular basis as a family. Uh, and then in, when I was in eighth grade, my parents divorced mm. and my father moved out of the house 
And I kind of walked away from my faith. Yeah. You know, I just said, I'm going to live life on my terms now and see this. Mm-hmm. How could, how could you do this to me, God, and take away my father and break up this family? This, mm-hmm. And, um, I began drinking in eighth grade and, uh, mm-hmm. first time I ever drank, I blacked out and that became a pattern for me throughout my drinking career, uh, through high school and on into college. And I would wake up in strange places with strange yeah. people, not remembering how I got there, but seeing my car out front and, you must know. Must have been me. <laughs> right. It must have been me. And, and, and living in fear of the phone because I was afraid that someone was going to call me, call me and tell me what I did the night before because I didn't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one night, my senior year, same thing happened. Woke up in a strange place with strange people, not knowing how I got there. And I just, I just bottomed out. I just said, you know, I can't imagine my life with or without alcohol. I don't know what to do. And by God's grace, my uncle Andy, who I was very close with, had just moved back to Baton Rouge from from California, and he had just gone through a divorce, mm-hmm. and he had two years sobriety. And I called him, and I said, man, I don't know what to do. And he came and picked me up and took me to a meeting, and that was November 3rd, 1991, and I've been sober ever since. Um, but that was an, an awakening. I mean, that was coming back to, uh, you know, Jesus tells the parable of the prodigal son, uh, which is really the story of the searching love of a forgiving father. It's really about the father. But the the son who asked for his inheritance early goes and squanders it all, and then he comes to himself. And Jesus gives us a great compliment in that parable when he says, when the man came to himself. Because when we come to who we really are, mm-hmm. who we're really meant to be, it's to be his children and to be with him. Uh, and he welcomed me back with open arms, even though I'd strayed. Yeah, I, I that journey to to health and to forgiveness and healing and all of those things. Yeah. I mean, you for those of us who get to watch you, who who have this idea of who you are, this on-air personality, you're known as the fun, lighthearted, smile. Like, those are the kind of things that we know to expect from you. Yeah. But behind that is a journey that Absolutely. brought you to that place. Well, yeah, and, you know, I mean, all honesty, by my own choices, I should either be dead or in prison. Mm-hmm. Those are the places I should have been. Yeah. I should have harmed. There's a good chance I should have harmed somebody else or myself, and I'm not. And for what purpose, you know? And that was the journey. Why? Why? Why me? Why? Why was I spared? Mm-hmm. Why, and I think God had a calling that He wanted me to do, and and He, I know He did. And you know, if you think about it. A lot of people look at me on the air and they go, man, he was wild and crazy. And they're like, I think he needs Jesus. I don't know if he knows him. But <laughs> but if you think about it, uh, Christians should be having the most fun. Yeah. We really should. I mean, we should be enjoying life the most because of our secure future. Yeah, you I'm know? with you 100%. And knowing that. So um, that really kind of freed me up to, to, to just kind of say, hey, I've gotten a second chance at this thing. Mm-hmm. And I want to share the joy that I have with other people and the joy I've received. Yeah, I think I think it, I think it plays out in everything we do. So you work in a pretty secular world, media broadcasting. You're on the news. You're on television. How has living out your life as a Christian? What does that look like in the secular arena? If we're being honest, mm-hmm. I don't think there is any secular jobs. Yeah. I mean, if our if our faith is real, then it's going to play out in everything we do, and we need those not just in in the what we term clergy, but we need them in. Uh, we need faithful people as accountants. We need pay- faithful people as retail. We need faithful people, mm-hmm. uh, doctors, lawyers. You know, I mean, you, across the board, uh, our faith should affect everything we do. And that mm-hmm. includes our job, whether it's in the church, outside of the church, whatever. I always looked at my job, 
you know, I get to go out in the mornings. I get to go, sp- you, you, you see me for a couple minutes here at a time and an hour later, you'll see me a little bit, but I get to spend two hours with people. I get to hear their stories. I get to know who they are. That's a huge blessing to be invited into people's lives in that, in that way. And, and so I, that's one of the things I love most about my job. And I always felt like it was my job to the, to the viewers to give them some uplifting, something light, something mm-hmm. fun. Give them something to smile about. You know, they've heard about the crime, the murder, and the politics that happened overnight. And maybe they're pulling the sheet over their head and say, why even get out of bed? Well, we want to give them a reason to get out of bed and say, hey, there's good things going on out there. There's great people out there. There's fun things to do. Life is worth living. Get out of bed and be a part of it. Yeah. And so I've always looked at, you know, even before uh, I entered the ministry, I always felt like there was ministry in what we were doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you get an email from somebody saying, you know, I'm on chemotherapy, I've been on it uh, for six months, you're the one smile I get a day, mm. you know. Let me smile twice yeah, then. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's worth it. Just yeah. that one is worth it. So I always looked at it in that way, that mm-hmm. that was part of the part of the mission of the show and part of the mission of, of doing what I did. That's part of why I fell in love with it, because like, man, we can bring a smile, we can bring some joy into some places that may not have it. So as working in a place where people see your face and get to know your personality yeah. and they probably, I mean, you probably get recognized when you go out places every yeah. once in a while. <laughs> um, like, have you ever felt the need to maybe step back from that type of life in a fishbowl? Well, you know, I, and I, and I did, uh, you know, I, one day I was driving to work and I was doing my quiet time in the car cause I had three small children at home and there's no quiet time in the house. So this was it on the commute. <laughs> And uh, God spoke to me. I mean, as if he was sitting in the driver's seat, uh, the passenger seat next to me. He said, all right, Tim, you've been the spokesperson for everyone and everything else in St. Louis. It's my turn now. And I'm like, whoa. Uh, you know, I'd always said, people ask me, do you ever think about going to the ministry? I'm like, mm, that's what my dad does. Uh, but I got to work that morning and I called my wife and I said, Kim, this is what happened. She goes, I knew this day was coming. I'm like, well, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> right? Uh, I didn't see it coming. But I knew then that God was calling me to ministry, so I, I interviewed at several different uh, seminaries, and I ended up at Covenant Seminary. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 2013, uh, God called me to plant a church and to be a part of that, and I walked away. The next year, I had one year left on my contract, so I did both jobs for a year. And then in 2014, um, I left Fox 2 to be full-time with the church. But when before I did that, and that year before, I told God, I said, look, show me. If I'm holding on to this job for any other reasons— other than you, if I'm, if there's some things that are getting in the way, show them to me. Mm-hmm. And there are days I wish I hadn't prayed that prayer because he showed it to <laughs> me. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. but I, but I walked away from that knowing that, okay, this is, I can walk away from this knowing that God's calling me in this direction. Mm-hmm. And then when we got into it, um, we, I did that for three years. Uh, it just became evident that this isn't where God had me. This is what he had in mind. Mm-hmm. I always thought when he called me to ministry, that meant four walls and a steeple. Yeah. But he, he called me to something different, and that's when the thread came in. Yeah. So Virginia Kerr had been on me for years, starting in probably 2012, 2013, saying, hey, I got this show idea, The Thread. And Virginia and I knew each other. She worked at Channel 4. I worked at 2. We'd sometimes end up at the same story since we were both feature reporters, mm-hmm. but that's it. And she called me out of the blue one day, told me about it. I'm like, uh I've got, I got a full plate right now. I've just gone back to school. And then it was, I'm a pastor now. I'm uh-huh. doing this. And she's like, 
on me, on me. And then in 2016, she said, all right, really, I need you to do this show. You're the one that's supposed to do this show with so me. So how long was she trying to cultivate this oh, idea this with you? Oh, this was probably like two, two and a half years, three okay. years. That she, was, she was persistent. She, she was persistent. <laughs> and she stayed with it. And she goes, I know you're supposed to be part of the show. And I said, okay. Mm. And so I started it, uh, started working with her that summer. And then I, we launched it in October of 2016. So tell us the context of, like, what what is the thread? So the thread is a show all about shining a light on the kingdom work being done in our city, celebrating it, and then inviting others to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And all of those aspects are so important. We mm -hmm. want to show it and show that, hey, this is going on out here. Hey, people, this is, this is going mm -hmm. on right under our nose. Celebrate it. And I think... Sometimes celebration gets lost in things. We can get so bogged down in the in what's wrong with things that we don't celebrate the victories, yeah. celebrate the wins. So celebrate it and then invite other people to be a part of it. You want to be a part of this? There's, there's ways you can get involved too. Mm -hmm. Look, when the church didn't go the way I thought it was going to go, I thought I'd failed God. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, all right, you call me to ministry. This isn't going the way it's supposed to go. Uh, it's not working out. I failed you in some way. And, and, I, and I just went down to meditate and just hear from God and he said, he spoke to me again and he just said, you know, that platform I gave you for 16 years on television here in St. Louis, I'm sending you back there to that platform. And now you're going to speak for me now. Mm -hmm. In other words, everything that I had done here in St. Louis was all leading to this. And it, like the whole reason I gave you this platform for all this time was to build it up so I could use it for me. Yeah. And so that was a huge, huge revelation for me. And my ministry is now the thread, and that's what he was calling me to. And look, when we started it, Virginia and I knew everything about being on a show. We knew nothing about running one. We didn't know anything about being a startup or a nonprofit. We had no clue. So it was a trial by fire. So this is like an independent thing. It's Completely. not like it's not like the the station came to you and said, "Do this." So here's what we did: we yeah. we put together a, like a sparkle reel or you know highlight uh, what the I'm show sorry, is it's called to a sparkle reel that's what that's what sometimes they call i want it. one yeah i know <laughs> can we all sparkle a little bit so we sent her a little reel of what the show was going to look like and we sent it to every station in town and 15 minutes later after we sent the email fox 2 called and said we want to meet mm. and again you, how does that all work out well that's the relational equity i mean i you know i knew these folks and they knew me and there was no burn bridges when I left. They knew I was leaving for this reason. So we told them what the show was, and and they said, let's do it. And we we started it not knowing what the heck we were doing, <laughs> but but we did it. <laughs> and, um, look, we hit we hit times down in, in the gully. I mean, we were d running out of resources, running out of energy um, in that first year several times. Mm-hmm. And there was a time when I, when God gave me, I, I just laid down. I was exhausted. I didn't know what we were doing, how we were going to go from here. And are we doing the right thing? Is this mm -hmm. what we're supposed to be doing? And, and God gave me this vision, and it was this intersect, busy intersection. And Jesus was on one side of the street, and all the people were on the other side of the street. And Jesus didn't shout across the street to the people. He crossed the street. Mm -hmm. And he said, I need you to go to the people. I need you to reach them where they are, whether they're at their homes, on TV, social media, whatever. Mm -hmm. You got to reach them where they are and then bring them. That was encouragement to keep going. But we kept running out of track. We all, we thought we were. Mm -hmm. And finally on Easter of the first season, we, we had always shown the stories, but we never gave the gospel in a clear way. Mm -hmm. We said, let's, let's give them the gospel. 
That's what the show's it's all Easter. about. Let's it's do. Easter show. Exactly. <laughs> what do we got time. to lose? We get, <laughs> we get canceled. We got nothing left anyway. So uh, we did. We just threw it out there. And here comes the show starts to rise. Mm-hmm. And support starts to come. And people start to get on board. And we start to see a little bit of a change and a little bit of traction. Um, and it wasn't the last time we'd have problems. But we started seeing an uplift. And we said, we're doing this every week. Mm-hmm. We're going to just give them the gospel every week. And the first season ran out, and we renegotiated for season two, and Fox 2 goes, still a nonprofit? Yep, 501c3. They go, faith initiative? And I'm like, yeah, it's a faith initiative. And they're like, okay. Uh. You know, I mean, the fact that we have the platform to do that show, is just, it blows me away. And I'd like to say it was something that I did that, that allowed it. It's all God. Mm-hmm. He has opened doors for us to do that. It's completely been him. So, um, so we keep going with the show, and we start to get a little more traction, and then— uh, Virginia steps away from the show. She's got her own things that she's having to deal with and some personal things and family things and work things. And so there I am wearing all these hats. Yeah. And once again, we just, we start to bottom out, you know, and I'm trying, I'm the, I'm the producer, the admin, the uh, reporter, the writer, the, you know. <laughs> it's too many hats. <laughs> you know, especially for me. I got a freakishly small head. They don't all fit. But uh, I'm I'm trying to, to carry it all and I'm just wearing out and we're running low and uh, Fox 2 comes to me and asks me, you know, we'd love to have you come back. Have you thought about it? Would you ever think about it? And it was a way to take some of the pressure off the resources uh, yeah. of, of the thread and it gave me some great structure with knowing, you know, a lot of people look at me and they say, he's so unstructured. I'm like, yes, but... It takes a lot of work oh my to gosh. look that unstructured. If you tell yeah. me to go be creative in this space, I can do that all day. Yeah. But if you say go create the space and then be creative in it, not, not, yeah. not my deal. I need some structure. Mm-hmm. And so Fox 2 gave me that. And so that was a help. But I was still wearing all these hats. And I went to the board of the thread and I said, look, I'm, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I said, I can't, I can't do this. Uh, my family's suffering. My health is suffering. Uh, the first part of, uh, of last year, I was sick the first, you know, three weeks you know, end of December, 1st of January, I was under it. I had mm-hmm. the flu, had all these things. And I'm like, my body's just shutting down. I went to the board and they said, well, what do you need? I said, I just, I got to let it go. I said, and if we can't, if we can't get other uh, means of getting this done, yeah. I just can't, I can't do it. And it was almost like another, it was another God moment. Because God, again, God spoke and just said, Tim, whose show is this? Mm-hmm. I said, what's your show? It's always been your show. And he said, well, are you going to step back and let me in there so I can do some work? I was trying to white knuckle it. I was trying to do it all in my own strength and I was killing it. I was going to drive it right into the ground. And it wasn't until I was willing to give it away that he gave it back and said, now, now you you surrendered. You Mm got to hold on to me. Don't hold on to your strength. Don't hold on to the show. Hold on to me and then I'll take care of the rest. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't you know it, uh, we got an ad man on board in the first of the year. We got a producer it gets me out of the edit bay, which is good for everybody. <laughs> I'm so anal in the edit bay. Can you Have you gotten better at editing? Since? Yeah, exactly. But they, they don't want me in there. Uh, but he's provided these amazing people and these amazing resources and amazing partners that have come on to support the show. I mean, it's just been. Uh, and now uh, we, we, we cut our production costs in half by going from 26 episodes a season to 13 mm-hmm. and dividing them up into two sections. But we've grown. We're able to do more by doing less. Yeah. 
because we were so focused on just getting the show on. Now we're able to do more ministry. We're able to actually do what this show is enabled to do. And that's what I said. I, I got to get out there and do the ministry. I had a great experience a little more than a year ago when uh, a hospice organization called me and they said, we do in-home hospice care for individuals and we offer spiritual guidance for those who want it. And we just got a new client and he says the only person he wants to talk about spiritual things with is you. Would you come see him? And I'm like, yes, okay. blown away. <laughs> so I got to go visit with him a couple of times before he was incommunicable. I, I met with his wife and walked mm-hmm. with her through his last days. I got to do his funeral and forge those relationships. And I, t- I told the board when I was covered up, I'm like, if that, came, if that call came today, I wouldn't be able to do it because yeah. I just I don't have the bandwidth. I said, that can't happen. We cannot not do the ministry opportunities that come this way. Mm-hmm. That's what this show's all about. And so now we're, we're freed up for that. And we're able to do more of that. And we're able to reach people on social media. And our goal long-term is to hopefully, the next step of the show is to have a Thread Live event once a month where we're in a different community and we're bringing churches and service organizations and individuals. We break bread together. We have a message, but we're, we want to connect ser- serving opportunities with individuals, individuals with churches. We want them to come out and experience what community is so that we can say, hey, look, this, you get a taste of it here today. Go see one of these churches. Cross denominations yeah. are represented. And, and you know they're concerned about the same things you are because they're here tonight. See if one of them's a good home for you. So we connect individuals with churches, individuals with serving opportunities, churches with serving opportunities, because I think a lot of times churches are like, we got to have our own thing. What's that going to be our territory when they could support the rubber that's on the road at an organization and make it even stronger? And then can hopefully connect churches with churches within their community so they'll link arms cross-denominationally to move to the needs of their community. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where we're hoping to go next. And uh, we're, we're, we're just following God's lead on it. Yeah. And let the more I get out of the way, the more he's able to do. Mm. Well, I'm I'm a St. Louis girl. I grew up in St. Louis, and I'm not a stranger to the context of the city and the places surrounding the city. And, yeah. um, you know, there's a lot of not great stories that you can hear, right? There's a lot of sensationalism yes. and hard things about St. Louis. But you're lifting up the other side of the story that's here, too. And I wonder how you've seen that impact the people you come into contact with by focusing on the good and the strengths and the beauty, even sometimes in the midst of hard things. Absolutely. How does that affect the people you, you're you working with? You mean at the station or just the people we interact with on the thread? Uh, let's hear about the thread first. I mean, it has been, the buy-in has been amazing. I mean, we've, so we're at the point now where we've done stories with certain people and now we're threading up with them mm-hmm. to do to do events and we're threading up with them to to move to needs. You know, we had a event this past Christmas where uh, Better Housing found uh, a family that was a single mom with three children. They were living in a slumlord situation, mm-hmm. deplorable mm-hmm. conditions, mold and, and waste in the house and the kids' were, health was suffering from it and they had found a house for them. Well, we had a new partner, Stash Furniture, that came along to furnish the house. And then we had our partners help uh, decorate the house. And then we had, I mean, all these different organizations that we've worked with and people that have supported it. We all linked arms. We did more together than we could ever do separately to really bless this family. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just awesome to see that because uh, one of the organizations that also is uh, just getting started, Life Arts Inc. with Brian Owens, I said, and can you believe we're at this point? We'd never, two years ago, we'd never seen us being able to, we were needing help to keep, stay on the road. And now we're able to 
to bless others. I mean, what a, what a great opportunity. Um, but yeah, I think we get people all the time who write into the thread and say, I just need to hear this. I need to see that this is going on. Mm-hmm. I need to know these stories so that I, I, I see God at work. You know, he's still, he's still in control. He's still on his throne and he's still active and doing great things through amazing people. Mm-hmm. How do you see these types of stories and this type of work impacting your team and the people that you work with? We get blessed by going to these stories. I mean, there's times when Virginia and I were about bottomed out and we go to a story and we'd hear theirs and it would just uplift us and keep us going. I can't tell you how blessed we are to hear these stories and to hear people's testimony of faith and what God's done in their lives. I mean, it is, we break out in tears sometimes almost on on these stories, Mm -hmm. just hearing them and people's faith and how they're steadfast and that encourages us. And that's what it's all about that's what community is. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some days when I can minister to your poverty, but there's times when I need you to minister to mine. And Jesus never sent any, sent them out by ones. He sent them out by twos and mores because we, we need each other. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest gifts we've been given is each other. And we don't always capitalize on that. You know, oftentimes we can become polarized and, and in our pockets instead of being, you know, we live in a culture that sometimes says high fences make good neighbors, you know, or if it is to be, it's up to me, you know, but that breaks down what's what, what's meant to happen with community. And we believe on the show, you know, our our Bible verse that drives the mission of the thread is John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, love one another. Mm-hmm. As I have loved you, love one another. And we believe our call is to love the next person who crosses our path. And we don't pick who that is, but whoever that is, we just move to their needs, just as our needs have been moved to. Your story involves so many different thresholds that you kind of pushed through and stepped over and um, to get to this point that you're at today. What What's the thing that drives you personally to keep pressing forward and doing the work and holding the stories and loving the neighbor? I mean, recognizing how fallen I am, you know, mm-hmm. recognizing my shortcomings, recognizing how much in need of, of others I am and and recognizing all those folks who who have moved to me and continue to move to me in a powerful way, um, and and ultimately how Christ has moved to my greatest need. I mean, He's, you know, we're we're to be image bearers, and if we're going to be image bearers, then we've got to then we've got to bear His image, yeah. and that means living and loving others the way He's loved us. And I think that's the driving force, and it's um, knowing the potential of of community too, and knowing having experienced it and what a loving community can do and and wanting others to have that experience. Uh, I think that's, that's, that's huge. Um, and then celebration, uh, again, making sure that we celebrate when, when I left the station and went to the church and then left the church and went to the, uh, to the thread, that was a, that was a lot of transition for my family, a lot of transition. And, and I felt that and they felt that. And when we, when we left the church to go to the thread, you know, my kids were like, we, we just, we left, we already left the station and went to the church. Now this, and my wife, Kim, uh, so thankful at that time she gets up and she pulls out this list of like 33 things that God did for us that we could have never done for ourselves in that transition from the station to the church. And we were able to say, look, he was faithful here. He's going to be faithful in this transition. Look what he did for us in that first transition. You know, it's like when, it's like when uh, the Israelites are crossing into the promised land and they, they're crossing the Jordan, but before they get across, they say, hold up, every <laughs> tribe, grab a stone and pile them up here mm-hmm. so we can point back to this and say, remember what God did for us here? 
Mm-hmm. He's going to, and, and that's it. We, we can be sure of his faithfulness today and in the future because he did this for us here. Yeah. And he's not going to leave us in the lurch here either. Mm. What a beautiful way to help usher your family through. Oh, it was Those great. times too. And it was a visual for them. They get a, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh yeah, that did happen. That's something that you carry with you, not just in that moment, but onward in your life kind of thing. Yeah. Absolutely. So what would you say to somebody who um, is looking for a way to put their faith into action and to be active in their community and to be giving community to other people? Um, and maybe they just don't know how to start. Like what advice yeah. would you give them? I would say, what well, you know, find what your passion is. A lot of people feel like they've got to, being on mission means stepping out of who they are and what they do. Again, it's loving the next person who crosses your path. So what paths are you crossing? What, what, what people are crossing your path? Which ones are you able to move to? Okay, but what if somebody says to you, you're Tim Azell, you have this platform, you're on television, people already know you, you have a name. It's easy for you to get out there and do a thing. What about me? Yeah, my platform just happens to be television, right? I mean, that just happens to be where I was. But there, I mean, again, we're showing these stories all the time of people doing it right where they are, who are finding people who are through a coffee shop are serving yeah. others through, through their gift of art. They're, they're using it to bless people, to give some people some encouragement who are going through a hard time. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's just about, mine just happens to be a very visible yeah. ministry, but they're all necessary. Yeah. And here's the deal. Yes, I have this this platform, but my platform is not going to put me in the paths of the people that you're crossing paths with. So you're going to reach people that I could never reach, no matter mm-hmm. regardless of my my platform, because they're not crossing my path; they're crossing yours. Yeah. And so we have an opportunity to move to them. And look, it's all relational. I mean, it's not just about the TV show. It's about building a relationship that we wouldn't have the show if it wasn't for the relational equity at Fox Two for 16 years. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's building that relationship with people. That's why I say it's so important for us to recognize the gift we have to one another. I mean, think about the guy that's on the megaphone outside the rock concert telling everybody, you're going to Hades, you know, Mm -hmm. it's over for you. How much impact is that person having? It's the people that you have a relationship with. You earn the right to speak into people's lives by building a relationship with them Mm -hmm. and loving them right where they are. Everybody has opportunities to do that with people that I don't have opportunities to do that with. And we're all meant to bear that image and to, to, to play it out and to love others the way we've been loved. I love that. Impact is impact, right? It's not, yes. it's not less of an impact because you're not broadcast no. to the world. It's still an impact. It can be even more so. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the impact a relationship has. Here's the thing. Recognizing some people have been really hurt in relationship mm-hmm. and every relationship is a risk. Every one of them is. You, you, because there's a chance you could get hurt when you give yourself away. But the rich experience of it, when you get a positive win, I know nothing about finances. I don't know play the stock market. I don't know any of that deal. But I do know this. The only lasting investment in this world with eternal significance is people, mm-hmm. investing in people. And when we're able to do that, no matter on what platform it is, that's where the magic happens. Well, Tim, it's been a joy to hear your story, to get to learn a little bit more about you and what brought the thread to life. And um, it's just such a pleasure to have you with us today. Well, it's been my joy being here. Thank you so much for having me. Matthew 5, verse 16 tells us to let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Tim has been given unique gifts and opportunities to share the light of Jesus with his community through television. It's not to further His fame, but give glory to the Father. God has also given you a unique set of gifts, talents, and opportunities. This doesn't mean the road will always be easy, 
but His purpose and plan will always be good and will set before you opportunities to give glory to God. That's Action in Ministry. I'm Rachel Legute. Thank you for listening to Action in Ministry. We'd love to hear how you and your church are ministering to your community. To submit ideas for this podcast, visit our website, lhm.org forward slash action and send us an email.